Hello, I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. I'm Charlie Wine. And this is 90 Under 90. 90 movies. Under 90 minutes. 240. 140. Okay, today on our show, clocking in at 76 minutes, we're talking about 2016's The Eyes of My Mother, directed by Nicholas, I'm going to say, Pesci? Pesh, not sure how to pronounce it. Looks like Pesci, but with an E instead of an I. Anyway, uh, before we get into that, though, I just wanted to remind you all that if you are not already, please make sure that you start following us on the social media channels, uh, Twitter and Instagram at 90 under 90. And of course, Facebook.com slash 90 under 90. And we are at the beginning right now of Request Timber here. On 90 Under 90, that's where we take your requests and you guys get to decide what we talk about for the whole month. And hey, if you want other opportunities to listen to what we are uh, to tell us what to talk about, then uh, you're going to want to check out patreon.com slash 90 under 90. So you can uh, have an opportunity to become a guest on this show. And uh, today, like I said, we are at the beginning of Request Timber. And this kicks it off with, uh, I should have pulled this up already, forgive me, this one comes to us uh, requested on Twitter by at George Pops Punk, Sad Boy George. <laughs> sad B-O-I George. George. Sad boy. I don't know why you're sad, but I'll tell you what, I know why I'm sad after watching this movie, and for once, for once... I don't have Charlie to blame for the terrible viewing <laughs> experience that I had. Did I not, Dan, did I not text you and say, and say, this is a movie Jeremy would have made fun of me for, for saying that was no fun to watch. That's exactly what you said earlier today. Yep. <laughs> Damn straight. I, Oh my God! I well, let me go, just let let's not bury the late lead here. Uh, what do both of you guys feel about this movie before we even jump into it? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? General thoughts before we get into specifics. Charlie, how about you first? Um, you know, I'm having a very complicated relationship with this movie. I think I would have to say. I would have to say I came down on the lower half of 50% on this movie. Like this, I I didn't like it more than I liked it, but there were various things that I did like about it. Actually, I'll read the note I have now. My note says, am I watching something really good that I just don't get, or is it just bad? (laughs) And I I had that thought throughout the movie. All right. And Dan? Your thoughts on the movie, general speaking, generally speaking? I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I don't want to <laughs> divide the room here. I don't want to trigger either of you guys. But I'm no, gonna no, no. This would be fun. This, I'm, I'm going to tell you, in the four years we've been doing this show, this is the movie that I hate the most. 
really? of everything that we have watched because Explain. I just and it's like it's it's not that it's a bad movie it's not that it's a boring movie it's not that it's just like I don't understand it and it's confusing it is just a joyless experience from beginning to end I do not understand why somebody would want to write this movie I do not understand why someone would want to sit down and watch this movie I can never imagine anyone going the eyes of my mother oh my god I love that movie who loves this movie I don't want to know who you are if you love this movie that scares me this is just (laughs) honestly the most unenjoyable experience I've ever had watching a movie and we watched Clifford. <laughs> I love Clifford. That's a great movie. The Music Box did that as a uh, as a garden uh, uh, movie a few weeks ago. Like you could go to the garden in the Music Box and watch Clifford on a big screen. Well, what do you I... mean? There's no chocolate. That can't be I still have that song stuck in my head from like 15 years ago. <laughs> which See, one? Was that... That... Wait, I gotta know which song. Uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the dinosaur's name? Oh, uh, God. L- it's like Larry, or, or, or rare, uh, the scary Rex, he's a scary dinosaur. Got Don't it. Don't be scared of sharp, sharp teeth, or his mighty, mighty roar. He loves kids and kids love, that's his one. Uh, okay. <laughs> I forgot I the know. name. Is all. <laughs> so, Jeremy, I, I asked Dan this earlier, too, but I, I get a feeling that you were not really too into the 2000s era of new wave french horror movies <laughs> no i okay. because they're completely look i will take uh, i'll take a, uh, any number of jump scares i will take a gore fest i will take something that is like otherwise like completely unsettling and like disturbing to watch but there is just something so beyond upsetting about everything that's in this movie that i it's like it goes beyond the what's in the movie itself to the level of i just don't understand the desire to even make this like i i I genuinely don't yeah no the reason the main reason i ask that is because i think where i'm kind of stuck on this is when i when i was working at the exchange i had a lot of that's when i started watching a lot of like random horror from different, you know, genres or different, uh, different countries or just different, uh, you know, uh, areas of film. And this was very reminiscent of this wave of horror that got really big in the 2000s, specifically coming out of France. That was really just joyless as to a, to a degree as grotesque as you could possibly make it, even if that didn't mean gory. There's this movie called Martyrs that has this notorious reputation for being just so difficult to watch, but everyone loves it. You know, everyone talks about Martyr. Even if they don't love it, they bring up Martyrs. But this movie is exactly that type of genre. This just absolutely joyless and air quotes artistic auteur, like horror-ish film. That's so the- I get what you're saying. It is not – I don't know anyone who enjoys the genre – I know people who enjoy watching the movies of the genre, if that makes sense. And it's almost like this, like, because this movie got awards. It's like everybody who watched this movie was like, I'm so upset by this movie that it must be brilliant. Like awards, give it an award. And I'm like, why? This is, I'm sorry. This is trash as far as I'm concerned. Like this is not a a reason to, I don't see how, why anyone would want to spend any time on this. And I'm sorry, like, I don't want to be, like, overly critical because, like, I, I get it. Like, it's an art form. And, and, like, 
it works. It makes me disturbed. So like, you know, clearly there's craft here at play, but it's just, it's so disturbing. I don't like it. Anyway, someone else can talk now. I'll, I'll. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe, and maybe you guys can like make me appreciate something about the movie. Because like, because again, like, it's like, I don't even want to criticize the writer director of this because it's like, I, I genuinely don't understand it. It's like I'm not allowed to comment on it because I don't understand anything about the desire or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, what I what I take from this movie is it's about a couple things. If it's not just on its surface level about this woman doing fucked up things, it's a meditation on loneliness. That's a big theme here, which is an issue we can all relate to. We just don't do things as extreme as our main character here. But I think this movie does its best to uh, to em- to make us empathize. I think, um, and, I, and surprisingly, I kind of do to a certain degree in certain parts. I'm sure as we go over it, we can get specific about that. And then also, um, it's about uh, if if you were and it, I, I, the best example I could come up with is um, when we did Squid and the Whale, um, the younger brother in that movie. He uh, deals with – he reconciles with his mother's – he's discovering his mother's sexuality by doing strange, perverse things that, that are almost abstract in their nature. And I really think that that is how uh, trauma manifests itself, whether it's the survivor or the perpetrator, usually the survivor. And it's usually – I find in movies and just in psychology, it works out in two ways. They do the opposite and they, they shudder at the thought or they relive it. And this movie deals with a protagonist, if you want to call her that, who relives her trauma in interesting ways because that's all she knows. That's all she's been steeped in as a child. And uh, to to that degree, I can understand why she does what she does in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly uh, – I mean, trauma is clearly the, the theme here. It's not even like they're trying to hide that. I will say I think for me – I really – I actually – what I really did like was the first half of this movie. And, I mean, it's not, it's not saying a ton because it's only 70-something minutes long. But I actually did like the first um, – thought it was – honestly, I thought it was scary. I thought it was creepy. I thought it was well shot. I was sort of going between whether or not the black and white was just sort of masking the poor production value of the film. But, uh, but I think it worked for me. And then – I actually at a point thought the movie was almost getting a little bit too long with where the second half went. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it, too, is just, you know, we talk about these movies like Martyrs or these these uh, joyless horror movies like this. And I just don't think they're my cup of tea anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like I like watching movies. Of, I like watching movies about trauma. I like watching people deal with depression and and spiraling in different ways and i think the first half of this movie is a very uh sort of restrained and um artistic look at that but it turned into something i used to watch when i felt more experimental in my film viewing and i i think i just i didn't pick up on i didn't pick anything up from the second half i didn't already have it didn't add anything to my experience it i had things that i liked but the second half didn't add anything to the experience gotcha I think Hannibal actually, uh, the TV show, 
there's this because obviously we'll we'll talk about it, but there's this whole dynamic about anatomy in this in this show and this this movie. And I think if you look at a show like Hannibal handles this very similar tone of character in terms of someone's thought process, a sociopath's thought process, um, so much better in, in, in some in such a better way, especially when it comes down to like the relationship with uh, to other humans. But anyway, that's just going to be a tirade I'll have in a different day. This is uh, an excerpt I wanted to share from TheVerge.com. I don't really, I don't read it normally. I just kind of Googled reviews. And it said, uh, raised on tragedy and aberrant, aberrant behavior, she imitates and extrapolates from it. She's casual, even innocent, in the way she carves up her victims and packages them in a refrigerator. Even in the film's creepiest shock moments, she's placid and pleasant, which just makes her more disturbing. I guess the first part is what I want to highlight. Raised on tragedy and aberrant behavior, she imitates and extrapolates from it. If you're a cave, if you're raised in a cave, not even taught English, and you grow up to do savage things, it's understandable, isn't it? I mean, yes. Like th- that's the thing how is- I get into the head of the character of this movie. But okay, here I guess my problem is like all the things that you're saying are valid, and I understand that as a study, like this, this really goes places that are are interesting. But again, I'm so like outside of that and thinking about like why does somebody want to make this movie? Like it's just <laughs> it's not fun to watch, you know? Like yeah. I yeah I, I no I understand. I mean, I, why I does same, why do yeah. Why do people go to see, uh, you know, I mean, I guess plays are a little bit different, but why do you go to see a horrible tragedy? Like, Jared doesn't, but (laughs) my mother to Macbeth, but why do you think people love, yeah, seeing this dramatic, you know, intense, thoughtful shit? What I wanted to ask is, uh, why do people make slasher movies? Because that's just kind of a bigger, more cartoony version of this, you know? There's something like this movie does not make you scream. And and if a if a horror movie makes you scream in any way for whatever reason, whether it's a jump scare or like a slasher movie and you're like, oh, God, that's like horrible or like gory. I get that because there is something very close to laughter in a scream. Like I understand the uh, adrenaline rush that that creates. But this movie just makes me sit there going like. I think um what they're going for like with this frozen. is. Movies that make your your brain scream, so to speak, just based on the sheer horror. And when I say like horror, I mean not just the genre conventions. I mean the situation at hand is horrific, and this is a horror film. So just internally, you're probably having to deal with your own level of trauma. Like uh, Funny Games, Hanaki does a see tests you with that. This movie kind of tests you. That's I guess that's sort of a Charlie. Would you say that's a French thing? They just they want to they don't give a fuck about your they don't care if you, no i i think part of it is that yeah they don't give a fuck they don't care but i also think that that's a com, just a completely different type of horror that some people enjoy and some people don't i mean i appreciate a jump scare when it can be done well i don't think it's often done very well but i i love horror movies and i actually personally prefer the horror movies where i'm just sitting here with my mouth open going what the fuck what mm-hmm. the fuck i mean <laughs> Possessor was probably my favorite movie of last year. And Possessor is just a movie still. where you... Oh, man, it's fantastic. And yeah. Possessor is just a movie where you sit there the entire time just going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> or uh, my best example would probably be Antichrist, 
I mean, mm-hmm. I own Antichrist. It's certainly a joyless movie, and it is yeah. even more grotesque than this one is. But I can't say it's not brilliant, and I've seen it five times. I mean, it's it's weird how I avoid that movie, but I embrace this one. I don't know. Uh, it's just von Trier. Just you know, just stay yeah, away from von Trier mostly. Uh, Dan, fun fact: my friend wrote that review. Which one? Tasha, Tasha Robinson, The Verge Review. Oh yeah. The, oh yeah. Is that right? I, yeah. Oh, she uh, she's part of the. Uh, I've met her a couple <laughs> times. She's part of the. Uh, she's part of the uh, one of another film podcast that I listen to. Tasha uh, Robinson. Yeah. yeah. Um. I yeah, I just randomly found it and I liked what she wrote here. I think uh, Tasha and I, if she was on this podcast she would agree with me here. Uh, <laughs> it well, just I, like here's, here's another. Th- I just want to say one more thing. Okay, like True Detective Yellow King. If you were to just spend the series and hanging out with Yellow King instead of Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. That's what this movie is. It's just like it's like Henry portrait of like what makes what is different from this and Henry portrait of a serial killer because there is in a weird way still a sense of morality. It's just her own twisted sense of morality. I'll tell you what the lambs, but only with Buffalo Bill. I'll (laughs) I'll tell you the difference and I'll tell you what makes Henry portrait of a serial killer acceptable and this one to me unacceptable. I'll get at least a chuckle out of Henry (laughs) because Michael Rooker. Out of anything in that movie, it's a little bit funny. There's some funny parts to that movie. There are some funny parts. Like, but here's what I found to be kind of funny, and here we'll get into it because I think there are some funny moments. It's just in the editing. Uh, you guys. Okay, so I guess we're here. Here we go. Yeah, let's jump. The movie. The movie's about a woman named Francesca. Francesca. It's uh, Francesca. I'm gonna say. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, there's a Francesca. Do you guys Francisca. know? Francisca. I think it's Francisca. It's Francisca. Okay. Francisca. Let's go with, let's go with Franny. Yeah. Franny. Thank her you. Name, her name's Franny. <laughs> Franny is a young girl. And like, here's another thing. This movie, even though it's under 80 minutes. Yeah. I find, I find this to be like a, a horror epic because it comes in three chapters and it spans 18 years, like 20 years. Like, that's pretty fuck to me. That's really cool. Um, I would say closer to I would say closer to 15 years. I don't think she's as old by the end as we as we might think she is. Uh, the baby grows to be about nine, I think, from when she kidnaps it to when uh, he's. Ah, yes, that's right. Okay, never mind. Uh, Francisca, it, so it starts with her as a little girl, and chapter one is mother, and uh, I think we don't even do we and I just title yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I wanted to just take a moment that I that I thought I was like, are they being a smartass here and saying that the eyes of my mother are the Roman numerals that are going to be the chapters here? Because I really thought for a minute that that's what they meant when they were like the eyes of my mother. They're playing on some kind of weird. And, uh, <laughs> that's about as much uh, joy I got out of this movie is thinking that for a moment. And then after mm-hmm. that, it's all downhill. But here we go. Francisca lives on a, a farm with her parents. Um, her mother uh, we don't get to know her very well, and the dad's not there right now. But the mom, she's, and we just get a sense of how Francisca is being raised by her mom, telling her all these very clinical facts about removing eyes from cows and how cows have very similar, the most similar eyes to humans. They're just bigger, actually. So that's a good way to get a sense of it. So she's teaching all of these these very surgical studies to her young daughter at the, at the farmhouse. So she's getting, she's learning, she's getting an education. And uh, 
what happens here is we get right into it. There's a guy who looks like Todd Luizzo from uh, High Fidelity. He comes up to the farm and he looks uh, a little to me like Griffin Newman. <laughs> OK, from. Like, uh, yeah, from he looks like chat. Tick. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, Arthur on Tick. Yeah. Um, OK, so Griffin Newman Luizzo <laughs> shows up to the farm and uh, he asks uh, if he can use the bathroom. But first, he's talking to the daughter outside and the mom, her, her mom, red flags go off. Hang as on, they hang should. on. Sorry, we got to pause because the, the the movie opens with something that I'm now looking at. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's a flash. Questioning. It is. I, I wasn't sure if this I couldn't remember if it was like a different situation sorry. or if it is a, a jump ahead. OK, so, yeah, it's a flash forward to uh, the truck, a trucker finding a girl who like is chained up and it collapses on the street. That's right. Sorry about that. It's from the perspective of uh, inside the semi and he's pulling down like this kind of rural country road. And this woman's in a daze walking down the road towards him right in the center, not getting out of his way. And then as he beeps his horn, she just lays on the ground. So something's up with her. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, did like the cinematography there. Thought that was mm-hmm. on point. Did like the Pretty cinematography cool. there. It's it's from the uh, POV of the driver, right at the at the it's, in the beginning. It's like, it's like in the center cool. console, and right? Because at the end, a, it's, then it takes that, a bird's eye view. Right. That yeah. At the end, it takes the it takes that. But before that, yeah. So like after that shot, then it's hey, you know what looks great in black and white? Fucking uh, shots of trees. It, they well, do. They we do. get uh we get some aerial uh yeah we do get some aerial kind of drone shots of trees and and. Uh, and- you know what I will say? With all the the screener movies I've been watching recently, a lot of horror movies start with aerial shots of trees. Not I, 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 it's like I've written it down every time. A lot of horror movies start with aerial shots of trees. It's like indie doing a Kubrick eggs, man. Indie eggs. It's oh, like, like indie you eggs. If, it, if an indie movie has Friday a shot eggs. of somebody making eggs because they have to do all those quick jump sh- shots to show you the guy getting ready in the morning. And then, yeah. like, yeah, this is the horror equivalent is an aerial shot of trees in black and white. So it just looks like a bunch of gray bubbles. So we get some uh, some lush cinematography of some uh, overhead trees floating over. And uh, yeah, so anyway, Todd Luizzo shows up at the house and he needs to use the bathroom. He seems on the level. No, actually, he seems remember, very crazy. Do you remember what his name is? Uh, I just know he's a, he's supposed to be a traveling salesman guy. What's his name? Yeah. His name is Charlie. Charlie. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. Charlie. Uh-oh. <laughs> he, I will give it to them. He creeped me out. I, he was I, good. From the, from, the, from the early shots of the trees, I actually instinctively grabbed my cell phone to check an email. And uh, as soon as he came on screen and started doing his thing, I was like, oh, shit. Okay. I wonder no, if yeah. he, instead if he was the lead and uh, he somehow switched with this female lead in the movie, would the movie uh, do it for you? It's just maybe it's just a matter of switching to a more charismatic uh, male think, lead. I th- you know, <laughs> if no, the woman, I know. If the woman acted as crazy as the guy, like, because he's instantly like creepy, you know right away this guy is no you, good. You're looking for more, I think. To simplify, and I don't mean to insult them because it's not an insult. You're looking maybe for more of a genre experience, and this is kind of uh, going for indie, transcend the genre experience. Yeah. Ah, whatever it's going for, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, he shows up at the at the farm and he needs to use the bathroom and he's dressed with he's got this tucked in white button up shirt. He does look like a like a Jehovah's Witness type. So that's what I thought he was at first. Like honestly, my red flags didn't go off until he was in that house and then he said, "I think you need to show me the bathroom." And she like the mom's like, "Oh, oh my God, really?" Like, like From honestly, the moment like he maybe, said, can I use your restroom? That's when I was like, yeah. nah, you are surrounded by wood, sir. You may go pee on any tree that you would like, but you may I not come ki- into my house. <laughs> I get killed first because like he goes in and he asks like personal questions like how long have you lived here? And then he asks the follow up. Like, OK, my red flag is when he asks the follow up questions about where the husband is. He says that. And then like he's like, you know, you say he's going to be home any minute. Is he usually late or and she just says the bathroom's on the right. OK, yeah, that's totally scary. And it, it, the way the pacing of it is is uh, very measured and really he's got that those good eyes. So yeah, he's 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 trying. They're to not going to be good for very long. <laughs> That's true. Uh, he needs to use the bathroom, quote unquote. So the grandma like and the thing is is that Francisca is behind the mother the whole time. We don't really see this until we get like a side profile kind of medium shot that she's just standing behind her. And that's when he like he says, oh, you want to make this hard? OK, so he like pulls out like this big gun and he puts it in her face and he's re- he means business. He tells a little girl to go call me to go sit in the chair off to the side. And that's when uh, he, he tells her now you're going to show me the bathroom. And then she goes to the corner and uh, you think he's going to blow her brains out right there. Like the guns right in our face. And uh, instead they uh, now this movie, it's it's a lot like uh like Texas Chainsaw to me, and that it's not a very violent movie, but it implies so much in this movie. There's like there, there's only aftermath in this movie. Yeah, pretty much. Well, some go, some present math, but right. He goes so, onward and upward like a like a creepy Joker guy, and then, then we cut to inside the dad's car, and he's on his way outside the house. You expect to hear a gunshot, like. I think 90% of the audience is expecting to hear it. Like the dad's driving, bam, and then he picks up the speed, right? I'm just no, surprised that there actually was a husband, you know? Like I was just like, oh, she wasn't <laughs> lying because it was like such – it was like clearly set up to be like – to make it seem like it was a lie. And he even kind of like calls her on it and then it's like, no, it wasn't a lie. He actually was just running a little late. <laughs> he was. He he shows up and um, – Yeah, data yeah, we- run late. We don't know this guy. We don't get a sense of history or what he seems like he's he treats the daughter all right. But like I said, like for all we know, she's been steeped in just uh, trauma. But he seems I, on the level. I don't think he treats her all right. <laughs> I think you maybe does you think I he agree. diddles her? No, I didn't. I don't think it's necessarily that. I think that he ignores her. I think mm-hmm. that she, I think that he. I the just the way that the dynamic is set up between the daughter and the mother, you know, she immediate the daughter immediately starts taking care of the father. So I don't think he treats her well in any way. I think he just lets her take care of him because she'll say things like, I love you, daddy, and he just doesn't say anything. Yeah. So I don't think there's I don't think there's love there. I think there's a there's a you know <laughs> a Post- ben- there's benefit there. There's like the, but there's no history because it, the movie starts with the death of the mom. And like, I wonder if that's him in the grieving process. Like, and this is a weird example: Rain Wilson in Hesher with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, <laughs> where he's totally checked out. Um, but he he shows up to the house and he walks in and and he hears 
what 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 sounds like a grisly scene, and he sees uh, Francisca sitting where she's supposed to be sitting, and he says, uh, "He told me I'm supposed to stay here." So she's being a good girl as he walks into the bathroom and he, we just he opens the door and we just get a, a creep, uh, just uh, just a look at what's going on inside. And it's Todd Luizzo just bashing um, the mother's body, bludgeoning it to death inside the bathtub, blood everywhere. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like an axe, like he was chopping her up or like, but yeah, if he's just like bludgeoning her. That's. It's grisly, so. no matter what. It's 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 just a brief peek, and it's it's gruesome. And and I, I we talk about calibration a lot on this show. I, I definitely had you know walking. I knew like all right, this is black and white. This is movies called The Eyes of My Mother. I think it's going to be art house. It's directed by a, a French dude, uh, of course. Like I'm calibrated to uh, grisly. I'm calibrated to just tragic. And that's exactly what happens here in these first ten minutes, five minutes. I'm not, I'm not completely turned off at this point. I'll, I'll admit that. I'm like, oh, this is unsettling, but let's see where it goes. Still, right? You it think it's going to be a, a revenge, a revenge story? Because what happens next in this next scene this, is this is the point when Jeremy goes, Charlie. <laughs> no, because I, Charlie. I, 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 <laughs> shakes I, his I, fist. I wrote down very early, like for once I can't blame Charlie because like <laughs> I knew going in this was a listener request. So thanks a lot, sad boy George. <laughs> no, and sincerely, thank you, sad boy George. <laughs> no, I, I mean that, and I, I'm not like we were. We kind of worried. I enjoyed about, it. Dan and I uh, theorized for a brief moment, like, is are we being put on? Like, is this a ruse that somebody's like? Are, are we being yeah. trolled here into watching a a, gruz, a grizzly movie? But then I looked back at your tweets and you were like, you kind of warned us and prepared us for it. So it's like, it's not on you at all. It's entirely on me and my uh, preferences and my taste. Sad boy. Is it George? You said. Yeah. And sad boy, George, if you need to talk. Yeah. It's we're here. I if mean, you, you know, bro, seriously. if you sad, we can watch a funny movie, man. Yeah. Like, got a lot on the <laughs> Maybe list. that's the problem. Maybe that's why you're sad is you just yeah. you're watching the eyes of my mother. Camp Nowhere is on my list, ready to go. <laughs> All right, George. Um, yeah, but thank you for I uh, sincerely because like it, when Jared was telling me how much he disliked it before I watched it, I was like, uh oh, is this a troll? And then I watched the movie, I was like, no, I really like because you read look at the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Was it like a seventy one or something? It's something positive. Like that. Yeah, it's it's fresh. And I would be one of those guys because it's just I find it to be an interesting movie. And I've had this I had the same discussion argument almost with Katie before we recorded. She's in your camp. Like, why would I just don't get it? I, this is not the kind of movie I want to watch. And uh, I don't blame you guys. I really don't. And I I'm not trying to be like a little edge lord. I just think it's more interesting than a conventional story about a guy who know, like knows good from bad and does the right thing all the time, you know? I, I, it's just it's those lines that they cross, you know, like because, again, I'm not turned off yet. So, like, like we can keep going and we'll figure out exactly the moment where I'm like, oh, I see it right here in my notes. We'll figure we'll get there. <laughs> so um, he just and no, this is this is something yeah. interesting, too. I didn't know if this was intentional or not. But if you mm-hmm. listen to the dialogue on the TV, it almost implies for a moment that the father wanted this. Like there's there's some dialogue on the TV oh, where if yeah. you if you extrapolate and you uh, apply that to the situation that's actually happening, it seems like oh was you question is this a setup was this guy supposed to do this and the guy came home because like you don't see what really happens 
to that guy. You, it it is first. interesting you say that, Jar, because there was like a moment where I did wonder, like, did the dad call a hit? Like, is, was this all staged? Right. Like, yeah. It's because of the TV. You could interpret it that way, but I don't think it it did go down that way. But I no, take it, that way. I take it more as sociopathy is hereditary. Mm. That's what I'd say about the father-daughter situation going on here. Because the mother was clearly not a sociopath, but I cannot say the same for either the father or the daughter. No, but she's a little messed up showing her five-year-old how to, like, dissect an eye. Like, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, it's totally. A twisted. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely twisted. There's a cow's head sitting on their their, <laughs> yeah. their dining room table, but. <laughs> do you like, do you guys like the fact that we only got a little glimpse of the upbringing before the the trauma? I mean, yeah, I guess. In, in as much as I don't want to watch any more of this movie. So, yeah, I think sure. I think I will say I think the movie successfully gets across the relationship between the mother and the daughter in the time that it gives us. And any more time just would have been unnecessary with yeah. what this yeah. movie is about. I think any more time just would have been filler. And it's uh, you know, I think the the adult actress who plays the grown up Francisca, if, if played by the wrong actress, could be could be laughable. And I think she plays it with such sincerity. And, and when it comes to wanting to please her dead mother and, and her and, and you really do like I think it's how it's played. It's, I empathize with her character to just just the tiniest bit because she plays it just so um, sweetly. She wants to do right by her dead parents. She doesn't know how because she was just bathed in blood so to speak you know like dexter you know kind of except dexter's more well adjusted like a lot more you know so that's just kind of how i see her i, I kind of see her as a sympathetic soul you know so what happened what's interesting about this movie is right after the bludgeoning there's a hard cut a horde cut and it's horde. it's todd Luizzo, and you think he might be dead and he's being dragged on a plastic tarp and it's a cool angle you got to admit it's it's on the tarp kind of it's being dragged the camera with todd Luizzo as the dad takes him to the barn and he's not dead uh because you know after some time passes the dad watches tv you think hmm, maybe he did something if you're uh maybe if you're uh, an inquiring mind inquisitive and then you uh the daughter once again gets denied by the dad at the couch he's checked out and he says let's take care of uh your mother they do they bury her and then we see that this guy is still alive and he's in the barn the guy who killed the mom he's not in the best condition especially after francisca decides to uh do something to him and the dad he's so checked out he does he does i don't know he doesn't witness this he doesn't know about this who well, knows he he so i and i watch everything with subtitles these days just for the sake it and i will spend uh it was i saw from pretty early on when he's sitting there with his daughter watching tv and the subtitle before i even heard anything said charlie moans and mm. um he the the father has a line and there are some individual lines here that i really did like um but the father has a line where he says you're going to have to take care of that and we have no idea what he means like you know we hear this this guy screaming and he just says to the girl you're going to have to take care of that and we don't know what he means by that and more what that's if funny. she knows what he means by that but that's when we go into this next scene dan yeah thank you for that thank you it's it's rare i get a nice segue like that i uh i did want to say it's weird how they don't call the police 
or do anything like that after the mom is brutally murdered. Um, and, and I thought that's fine if the movie's going to be about all about the father and the daughter getting revenge slowly but surely on this guy. Did you think that's how this whole the meat of the story was going to be? Because that's how I thought it was going to be. I I honestly didn't have uh, any idea. I was just like, again, at this point, I'm still like, where are we going with this? Like, clearly, like, I, I, again, I, it's like, I thought he was dead. Oh, he's not dead. You know, it's like, so like, I'm I'm playing catch up to the movie at this mm-hmm. point. And then it I, gets to a point where I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't think revenge was ever a consideration with any of, any of the characters in this movie. I'm fully yeah. convinced they are just 100% psychopathic sociopaths and that the mother dying was just well that happened guess you know you you know what's for dinner or do you dad do you want some dinner (laughs) right you know when anything that happens to to charlie afterwards is not out of the sake of revenge it's just the next thing that either she or the dad want to do it's just the next step in life for Francisca becomes about not being alone, which is like, once again, uh, a relatable topic. It just executed in a very messed up package in this movie. But, um, she, uh, that, so this guy, Charlie ends up getting chained inside the barn and it's not long before Francisca goes inside. She talks to him very briefly. Um, he basically says that he's killed before he, it's kind of an urge of his. And, uh, she says, and uh, "Awesome." He love and I love. I just love killing. <laughs> and, uh, he says I, that he's like, "It's fantastic." <laughs> Did I he? just oh, love shit. me a good killing. <laughs> so, she yeah, and it's up at this point. You realize, as Charlie said, it's not a revenge movie. She likes this guy. She she says, um, "You're my friend. Well, I don't want to hurt you. I just want to keep you here, basically." And so. It, it, like there's this other movie that came out that nobody knows about. Uh, Dominic Monaghan from Lost and Lord of the Rings is in it. It's called Pet. It came out maybe four or five years ago, and it's a similar thing. Like this woman chains up. Spoilers. Dominic Monaghan. He becomes basically her dog in, in her basement. So like this is like the time to do that, I guess, in filmmaking. Uh, the, no. the human pets. No, it's not. There's no time. <laughs> human centipede to do that. was around here, maybe. I think uh, safe to say. So, um, yeah, it's just an interesting subgenre. So here we are. Anyway, Charlie's in the uh, the bar. Not our guest. Charlie's. It looks appears to be in his uh his 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 residence right now. So <laughs> not Charlie, the, the character is in the barn, and I think Charlie might have froze actually. Charlie, you still with us? Yeah, I don't know what happened. My oh, escape okay. was closed down. That was weird. Oh. All right. Um, so Charlie's in the barn, and uh, basically it cuts. Uh, the girl goes inside, and she dances with her father. They they sleep in one scene together. It's very, like, you're not going to get a lot of dialogue. You're going to get a lot of scenes in black and white of just the characters just existing for uh, a minute or two. And then it cuts to something else. But here's what I, I don't think... The movie is slow-paced. What do you guys think about the pacing? I mean, it's steady. Like, yeah, I don't think... uh, Slow is... um, 
not the right word because like you know it's just a very moderate paced movie but like it, there's no points where you're like a slow would be like all right come on like get to something here and it's just like no scene, yeah right. but no it doesn't it doesn't feel like that it's just a very temperate like that's the you know it, it's it's moderate paced it it reminded me of some uh it reminded me of some park chan wook films like uh specifically stoker or thirst this this sort of again i'm gonna come back to this like foreign horror because i don't think a lot of american horror does pacing this particular way uh or let the right one in or a girl walks home at night i mean it's like the, I, I thought it was i'd agree that it was steady i thought it was purposefully slower than your brain would like to uh process i think it was done that way to make it feel awkward to you have to sit with the horror of these moments longer than you would expect to i would agree with that especially scenes like coming up where lily the mother has uh and i think this is probably where Jarrett gets up and flips off his tv uh where lily the mother has a knife in her back and uh the baby's crying on the bed you want that you just oh want i know that scene to end. i'm checked out long before that like i oh, yeah. off the yeah that's near the like third act of the movie i thought that would be the scene where you were like fuck 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 this movie that's uh, that's uh, where i'm like no i officially hate this movie but before <laughs> that i'm like oh no apparently not here i'll tell you later now is it guys does the dad die as her as a little girl then he's preserved or does he get preserved after she's an adult what what preserving it does she do like <laughs> that's another thing like they don't get into that but um she bathes him so i guess that's a form of preservation for a corpse yeah, I, uh, i'm not really sure i'm not really sure that i don't think i don't think we're really supposed to know exactly when he died but because later in the, the film it also it makes it the way visually it sets it up it seems like he passed in his sleep or something like it yeah, seems yeah. like he just died of old age but then later in the movie we get this this uh this hint or blatant admission that she might have killed him but there's no visual evidence to support that yeah claim. so i, I don't to think, ask about that i um I, I think it happens later just because we get that bathtub scene and it seems like it's something that's just hitting her i think she's been keeping him around longer than longer than you know <laughs> she should because the other thing she says in that scene later is like oh that wasn't funny like as if she was like trying to yeah. make a joke i thought it might have it might have been like i'm 50 50 on this it might have been a travis bickle situation where he takes sybil to the the porno theater and you know just what people do like i just like because she's so disconnected from people like what is normal you know she's trying to figure it out but uh i was a little left a little confused by that wondering did she actually kill her dad because yeah who knows but um, she does keep that body around for a while. And that's like the theme. I guess that is the theme of the movie is it's, it's this fear of loneliness uh, and, and, and the lengths that you'll go to to keep from being lonely. Um, so she keeps his body around. She plays the same records. And, and one of the only good memories she has as a little girl is probably even though it was right after her mom died is dancing with her father so before later on she cuts him up into pieces and finally lets go she does one last dance so this is a whole movie where it's like it's all about reconciling like i said with the trauma but in these these sort of semi-abstract ways but 
what here's what here's what disconnected with with Katie and it maybe for some viewers too is she okay maybe she is confused maybe her she her her wires are twisted about what's right and what's wrong based on her upbringing based on her upbringing she ends up going to a bar and specifically finding somebody to what we can assume is kill or is it just someone to keep i think someone to keep there forever and that is interpreted a whole other way that could be killing but I mean, uh i get the sense that it was could have it really could have just been someone to have a connection with i think i mean you know it genuinely could have been her just wanting to have a connection with someone and then she just doesn't know how to yeah. do that and it devolved into what it ended up becoming and it was like oh well right. that didn't work so i guess i just you know go to plan b um and, and yeah i think you're totally right and i think what disconnected for Katie was like, is this that uh, is this malicious intent that she has going to this bar? Because that is a whole other can of worms, and I feel like that is not in her character. Because I do think that in her heart, she thinks she's an innocent person, right? I I think in her heart, she doesn't necessarily know that what she's doing is a, is something to be guilty of. You know, yeah, she's mm-hmm, she's exactly. so like not thinking about anything, and that's why I, I'm like kind pleading of, ignorance. Yeah, yeah, I'm in insanity. agreement. I'm in agreement that I don't think it was a malicious thing. I think she went there and maybe it was like structurally speaking, it's like (laughs) her one attempt to actually be normal and it goes wrong. And, and so it's like, like Charlie said, it just devolves into what the, what all the, the only thing that she knows. Now, isn't that infinite to me, that's infinitely more interesting. If Jason went to a bar and tried to connect with his hockey mask and tried to get a beer and he still couldn't do it. And that led him to kill instead of him just blatantly going. No, no, because I'm I'm being uh, about it, but like, you know what I mean? But like that, I mean, it's a different, yeah. I mean, you're looking for a whole different experience with the Jason movie than even, you know, and you're looking right. I think we're both looking for, diff- you know, I'm looking and for sometimes something like this and Jason. I and think it, more Jason in terms of another thing that sort of clued me into what her thought process may be, be was it was interesting to me that and I know this is later in the movie and we'll get to this point, but that she brought home a woman because yeah. I didn't get the sense that I didn't get the sense either that she was a lesbian or that mm-hmm. she was straight or that she was bisexual or that she had any kind of identification. I don't think we were, we're never intended to get it, but to me, I don't think, I don't think it mattered to her. I, I think she has, I would probably say she's not asexual just based on some stuff later in the movie, but I would say that she has no particular leanings towards any person individually based on say sex, gender, race. Uh, there were, everyone's like an, uh, almost a, uh, shapeless form to her. Uh, it's just, we are well, just the meat bags. Here's, At one point, there's that point in the movie where I think when she's got uh, Charlie, like, in the bedroom, like, you know, she brings him to the bedroom and she, like, takes off her clothes. Like, yes, she makes, like, she seduces him. To. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, but I, to me, I, I, to me, that sound, uh, that to me came off as sheer curiosity on her part as opposed to actually yes. wanting or yeah. needing something. I guess you're right on that. I think I think this movie could have been a whole other movie of a different genre if she and I don't think she went through the school the the public school system or any school system. Um so she's lived a very sheltered which 
obviously contributes to her her crazy not the crazy is a very broad uh incorrect word but her craziness yeah. and uh and this could have been a different movie if she went to school met a dude and and he could easily because she has such a fear of being lonely he could have easily preyed on her body he could have easily preyed on her mind and that could have been a just a drama movie Instead, yeah. we have this movie where she's more isolated and less well-adjusted because she's been so isolated. But Again, that's that's just... also where I come back with the nature versus nurture thing and why I think there's legitimately something wrong with her besides the fact of how, besides how she was raised. Because, yes, it all comes back to what I've seen in movies because I don't know anyone personally that's gone through this. But in plenty of situations, we've seen people who were raised in a very isolated and sheltered way have a just very instinctive human moral predicament that told them that something was not right, that something – I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but a moral decision was made by a character who had very little to no outside exposure from their their growth, from who, where they grew up, and she had none of that. This was – I think this is just who she is. This is, this is how Which she is – Arrested Development, which would which would totally explain her lack of any sexuality at all. Um, so this all tracks for me. This is all just a very deep psychological study that is frankly quite disturbing, uh, but interesting nonetheless. So she does go to a bar and she does pick up hopefully a friend a lifelong friend well, uh, a charlie i just want to say since we passed it up it's it's the moment where she's hanging out with her dad's corpse that i'm like th- i fucking hate this movie like, she bathes the corpse yeah, yeah and she's I, hanging I, with it no fuck this that's when i i'm like no i don't want yeah. any part of this it's understandable. see that that moment in the bathtub though was the moment was the moment for me where i feel like i got some look at what was below this this like cloud of insanity in her mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the moment where I I had this little key of oh okay. But th- that's the moment where I start mm-hmm. asking why does somebody want to make this movie to like as a director mm-hmm. as a filmmaker as a, the writer director somebody goes I have to put this to film I need I to think... I, I need to see this come to realization and I'm like I don't get it why you know what Jeremy I had the same reaction to don't to stop or my mom will shoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's fair. Like, it's it's totally fair. The artistic question is what and perhaps uh, what lengths would you go to to avoid loneliness? And th- from there, you he constructs this story. Why I don't know. He's just a big fan of of being a edge lord, French horror, new wave filmmaker. But um, I don't hate it. I don't hate this experience because it's there's so many other movies of different colors. This one is kind of and there are a lot of this one, but not as many so i i I just like it because it stands out so she she picks up a woman at the bar and her name's kamiko and they go back to her house and she should just know looking at that the the, the lack of decor just how rustic it really is and that's a nice uh euphemism uh how shitty the place is she should run it's also to me a little questionable as to when this movie actually takes place and specifically because at one point the like when we meet in the third act the the mother with the baby like mm-hmm. that baby's in the front seat of a truck and i'm like this is i don't like seeing that like that yeah that <laughs> was like, that's i didn't even think about that <laughs> in addition to everything else that i've seen but yeah like the front seat of a pickup truck i'm like when does this movie take place and also a lot of the cars are like look like they're very like older like 80s or 70s cars maybe like so i don't know when it's supposed to actually take place 
In terms also, of when, it might yeah. also have a lot to do with just where. I mean, if this is backroads, you know, country, rural uh, yeah. America, this could – I mean, it could just be that sort of situation too. Uh, True. That was another thing. I Like, I thought the movie was, was you know, French. I thought it was – or European in any sense. But really, the supporting cast is American. The only – uh, I mean, foreign characters are are the main characters, the mom, the father, and and the main character, and everybody else speaks with a totally American accent. Yeah. So it, I thought it was very strange. It felt like older and European. So. But then, it, like, she's also speaking like good English at the end too. You know. Yeah. I think she's. I think she's. She's Portuguese American. Like, I think she's okay. born and she was born in America. She's the one that was born in America because she. She comments that her mother was a surgeon in right. Portugal. That's right. But uh, that she's not now. So I, they they she's a Portuguese American. So she's I think first generation American in her family. And perhaps she's uh, projecting um, Lucy's personality back onto the son just to kind of maybe make him a more comfortable and you know assuming an identity to convince herself also because she's pretty happy in the third act now that she has a purpose and she has a child and and a reason to never be alone again which is what she's in her heart always wanted so perhaps she's also putting on uh this role to really sell it to herself and everybody you know but um that we're not quite there yet um this movie isn't three acts. Act one is mother, and when we do the time jump to when she's much older, which is you know happened. This one's called Father, and it is about the dad dying. And uh, so anyway, here we are. Um, where are we here? Kamiko. Yeah, she takes her back yeah. to her place. <clears throat> and uh, it, it, this plot summary, you know, and this is Wikipedia, but she says, um, and this is surface level, so of course it would say this. Um, she says she jokes oddly that she murdered her father. So they interpret it base level as the character was trying to connect in some level, made a really bad, tasteless joke, really and, scared her guests. Yeah. And c- killed her because she knew that she would never stay forever uh, with her. And I think yeah. that's why she did it. Well, and I love what what does Kimiko say about her house? She says, Your house is interesting or something yeah. like that. But, so <laughs> a, that is. I think that's actually the one hint we get of this probably being a more modern age set movie because the or film yeah. because the uh, she says your house is so I don't know if she says cool or interesting. You can tell you can tell when she walks in in her mind. It's oh, my God, this house is kind of creepy, but maybe it's just <laughs> alternative and different and retro. Yeah, I I dig the the juxta. I really was not expecting that juxtaposition of just people who talk and act like us with this woman who does clearly does not it feels like a different time and place and of a different mind uh so i found that really refreshing it was almost like watching uh and i think about dracula a lot and like he's such a rich character because he's so he's ageless but he does he acts like he's like back in like the 14th century or whatever so he's interacting with like these these modern dudes but he's yeah, I guess dark shadows play with it, but I still feel like there's a lot of gas in that Dracula yeah. tank. You know what I mean? Like for uh, comedy. So what happens here, and I think this is a funny moment, is Kabiko says, I got to go. And she's basically Francisca's not about to let her leave. And she's cornering her slowly and it gets very tense. And she's walking like Kamiko's backing 
toward backing towards the door. She says, I, th- I think I got to go. I think it's time to go. And then hard cut. I think it's time to go. And it's hard cut to uh, Francisco washing her blood off the floor. To me, like, I think that's a really, really, really dark joke. I, I don't think that that doesn't play no. as a laugh for me. I mean, maybe I, because I'm not French, maybe like the French actually find that funny. But like oh, I was it smoking my cigarette. I had my beret on <laughs> your ultra slim yeah. cigarette. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I don't I don't. It does not play as a joke for me. Charlie, I I didn't I didn't find it funny. I saw it more. I mean, I think there's a humor to it in terms of how quickly the cut happened. The edit itself, I right. think, is humorous. But uh, the way I saw it was so she's backing up against the door and sort of the way you're the the same way you're waiting for the gunshot when the father's pulling up to the house. You're waiting for her to smack Kimiko across the head with something or you're waiting you're waiting for her to stab her or something like that. And it it doesn't happen. And it's mm-hmm. it's like the movie is building up all of this tension for what she's going to do. And then all of a sudden it's happened and you have to you have to uh, you look at the screen, you see her cleaning up a puddle. It's also black and white. So you don't know immediately that that's blood. Yeah. And so you have to look at the screen, see what's on there, absorb it and internalize the and the realization. of Oh, shit. She's already dead. Like they, yeah. her Kimiko was such an unimportant figure in this girl's in the passage of this girl's life that we don't even see her die she's just she went she didn't connect so she's dead that's it you know and and when and when you do these horde cuts to post violence that's when i was like saying audibly to myself like that i don't i don't get it this movie's not that bad like it's it's not it's like texas chainsaw it's like it's it's the implication really that it's what it's the violence in your mind that uh that fucks you up I I think that this movie pulls some tricks to try and make itself more interesting at times. Uh, You know, one of the things, like I said, there's aspects of this movie that I actually really do like, and there's aspects that I just really don't. And one of the things I really didn't like was her, all the shots and scenes of her bagging up people's body parts and putting them in the fridge. And the reason I didn't like that is because it never comes into play. We never get the only assumption I can make is that she does it because that's how her mother did it with animal parts. That's the only thing I can assume. And I think visually, they did it for a visual, you know, stunt. It wasn't ever done as something as a part of the plot or part of the character because it never comes back into play. She never Mm -hmm. opened. No one even ever opens the fridge and has the surprise of having body parts in the fridge. It's not even a horror moment that's played. I did wonder where where do these bodies go? That's what I always wonder if somebody kills somebody in a movie. That's it, though. Um, she could have just thrown them in the basement. And I would have been like, all right, that settles that. But the only yeah. reason the only person that gets buried is is the mom. I mean, that's they right. bury the mom, but that's it. That's the only person we see get yeah, buried in this movie. That is interesting. She even when her dad dies, she. Uh, later she keeps him around for a long time uh he's still uh alive and around at this point she's a pretty soon though she's gonna chop him into bits and it's weird how she doesn't bury him like the mom uh she Does really she burn holds him? um she chops yeah, yeah 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 there's that earlier I, I thought that I, I didn't know if that was charlie's leg that she throws in the fire or if that was her dad but it, she does throw a leg because this is around the same time she kills charlie's is coming up here in this next scene and then her dad 
So I'm like, ah, it's somebody's yeah. like. <laughs> so, um, so Kamiko dies, and it's yeah, it's she, she's just a blip, just at the tiniest of little blip passing by in uh, Francisca's life. And um, moving on, she uh, she decides to focus her attention on Charlie. You know, it's like her context in her life. She's realizing she doesn't have a lot of opportunities to meet people. She's realizing the walls may be closing in a little bit. So she's going to spend some time with Charlie. They spoon a little bit. She takes him inside. It is very um, uncomfortable to see her bathe him, treat him like – I mean he deserves – like actually he doesn't. He's a very – he's a fucking terrible person. They're both terrible people. I was about to say he doesn't deserve this. Yeah. <laughs> she's bathing him and then she takes off her robe and she fucks him. He's totally blind but he can't even talk, guys. Would anything even work anymore like at this point? It has been years that he has been in there. You, I mean like think about it. Like she's oh, an adult mean, like now. I think like I don't know. I don't want to think of the logistics, but I think it. I think that it worked. Um, but I, afterwards, I, I don't think anything works on this guy anymore. He's. I, I think he's just. <laughs> Charlie, else. your thoughts? You know, I think it was one of the first times during a movie when people got naked that I wasn't thinking about the guy's dick. <laughs> He, like they really put some makeup on this actor's face to really sell it. Like his, he's, he's super crusty. crusty. Cr- yeah, <laughs> Paulie Shore, what are you doing here? He's crusty, bro. All right, get out of here, weasel. Um. So anyway, he uh yeah. So Charlie, he after she makes sweet sweet love to Charlie, they go outside and uh now here in the plot summary it says he tries to escape and then they yeah. caught, but. I just like I saw it. It's a wide, and they're walking down a trail. He's not getting far, and he's not really rushing. He's just kind of shuffling, and then hard cut. Not really hard, but like it's it's a close up of her just stabbing him. I'm like, did he try to escape? Really? Oh yeah, no. He so the shot. This is one thing this movie loves to do is all these long shots of uh, these long takes of you know very like small wide, things happening. Yeah, static. So the there it's the shot of him. I mean, he's not walking fast because he can't see anything and he hasn't walked very much in the past however many years. Um, sure. But he's trying to get away and she's in the room. The camera is sitting in the bedroom looking out her window and we mm-hmm. see her stand up, look out the window and then get up and um, walk out of this out of shot. Oh, uh, OK. And then okay. the next thing we see is her walking up the trail slowly behind him to get like, him. Yeah, just to get to him eventually. He's not getting anywhere. To get to him eventually and then to stab him. And then stab him, like, 17 times. Honestly, I would probably... I I, I might execute and milk it the same way. Just, like, I'd set up a nice wide. And just, like, it's the suspense of her walking up. Because he's not going anywhere and he's aimlessly... It's just an interesting way to set up your scene. She could just take her time uh i don't know i think that's visually pretty cool and interesting Visual, visually i think it's cool i think the the issue i had with it was that it had been done about it had been done twice already in this movie and since mm-hmm. i already knew who she was i already knew what was going to happen to him right. i there was there wasn't any suspense for me and the shot's almost two minutes long i mean uh <laughs> so it's it's, gotta make that runtime. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's just you know, I know what's gonna happen, and there wasn't any tension for me in terms of her catching up to him. It was just okay, you know. All right, there she is. Yeah. Is she gonna go a little faster? No, okay. <laughs> I guess it's what we're playing now. And hey, you know who else can take their sweet, sweet time, and it's entertaining? Jason. 
Yeah. Yeah. He he walks after all his victims. I take issue with that. I mean, logistically, but I don't I you know, I still I love Jason. Here's my hot take. There's yeah. like nine Jasons working at the same time. Do you remember <laughs> Do you, did you guys he seen franchise uh, that? Have you yeah. guys seen uh, Behind the Mask? Rise of Leslie oh, Vernon? Of course, I saw it in oh, movie. Oh man. Yeah, oh yeah, that was that was uh, one of my birthday movies. Yeah, where he's like Oh man, you gotta you don't know what kind of cardio we gotta do. You gotta like when they turn around, you gotta look like you're walking, and then as soon as they turn back around, you gotta sprint. That's I mean, yeah, Jeremy seen behind the mask. No, I haven't, but that sounds very funny. What I is it? You, you'd love that mockumentary movie. That's a movie. about a uh, slasher who uh he's kind of in the can the head cannon in the movie amongst the ranks of Michael Myers and, and Freddy Krueger and they get to meet him up close and personal as he stalks his final girl. He has her all picked out. So he's like a big project about it. So that's it's cool. Uh, I would uh I would uh I'll borrow that from you yeah, sometime. It's great. You you, you would like that, Jerry. You will ask you will ask first. <laughs> <laughs> How long is it? Uh looking it up right now. Uh, it's not long. One, I don't know. One, two, buckle my shoe. Behind um, the mask, the rise of Leslie you, Vernon. One hour and 32 minutes. Ah, fuck. Um, do you remember? I think, Jerry, we saw the 2009 Friday the 13th in the theater. And uh, <laughs> oh, so do. you tell, so you say. Do you remember um, he had underground tunnels that kind of answered that, like around you, Camp Crystal Lake? You have told me you have told me a few times that we saw that in the theater and I have zero recollection of ever seeing that in the theater. And maybe I did. When when did you get divorced? I don't know, like 2008, 2009. Yeah, that's why. why. Yeah, I don't remember anything. I had (laughs) a lot of blur. Yeah. (laughs) The first time, the first divorce I got. Hopefully the only one. Jer, no one thought it was stranger than me that you were like, let's go see Friday the 13th and My Bloody Valentine in 3D. But you wanted to get out and see more movies at that time. Who was <laughs> I? Oh, it's just interesting. I just needed to get out of the house, I guess. Do you yeah. remember My Bloody Valentine 3D? Yeah, yeah. we saw that. Oh, I do oh, remember I do. seeing that. We saw we saw both the Supernatural guys in the theater. We saw Padalecki in Friday the 13th. We saw Jensen Ackles in, in Bloody Valentine 3D. We saw that shit. Uh, you got to accept it. <laughs> I mean, I, I I totally will, but I just it's the one. Did you guys know blip that memory? That movie, the Friday the Thirteenth, two thousand nine, is in the same universe as Transformers. I kid you not. I I believe it's, it because the head jock, the blonde guy who's dating the the babe in that, is the same douchebag in Transformers who's like, what, grind these 22s? I don't think so. Why are my bunnies sitting in the, the backseat to Megan Fox in the 2007 Transformers? He, I, I'm pretty sure he's literally the same character. I Got also it. saw that Friday the 13th in theaters, and I don't remember anything about it except for one line from that guy when he's having sex with that girl, and yep. he goes, your tits are stupendous. <laughs> <laughs> that is the He's... only thing I remember from that movie because the entire theater just started cracking up and no one screamed at all for the whole rest of the movie after that. Well, I just want to say two. very funny. I want to say two things uh, real quick. Number one, I've never seen one a single Transformers movie. Uh, but hey, franchise first timers on Patreon.com slash 90 under 90. Maybe we'll cover it one day on there. And uh, number two, uh, I really liked your idea for a Friday the 13th movie better, uh, if you're going to reboot that. 
Uh, also, patreon.com slash 9094. <laughs> just, just making those plugs, and that's what we do here. We Listen, got to. I have to be as professional as possible when I can do it, because for the rest of the time, I'm going to be shitting on this movie, and it's not <laughs> going to be professional at all. That's no, true. We did, Jared and I, we did pitch like what we thought was a really cool, like if you were to reboot uh, Friday the 13th, which they inevitably will, you can go with the Eden bros idea just give us credit and we you know we'll write it for you guys if you want yeah. i mean you'll have to sub- you'll have to subscribe to our patreon to hear the uh pitch but then <laughs> the you producers can, yeah we'll have totally to. uh you could totally we'll totally work on it yeah, anyway yeah. yeah she uh um the uh charlie is now dead <laughs> so you know <laughs> i'm, I'm here i'm here oh oh, oh that's right <laughs> And then, like, and this is um, around the same time, like, obviously Charlie, like, meant something to her because she grew up with Charlie in her barn and she had to kill him because it was like a dog running away, kind of. So it's around this time she's going through, like, some changes and she inevitably decides, like I said, to chop out, chop up her dead dad, the corpse that's been sitting around the the house rotting for the last God knows how long. Yeah, and it gets really, like... It does get to the point where you're like, my God, that corpse has been there like for a very long time. It's like, you know, like the skeleton yeah. is starting to form, you know, like you can start to just see that. It's ugh. it's uh, so, yeah, he's he's a sunken skin. And uh, and so she chops him up and she says to herself kind of in one of the few lines that she says is uh, I just figured be with mom now so she's kind of freeing him and kind of letting go but then she starts sobbing and she says to herself audibly uh what am i gonna do i mean i, I don't want to be alone what what am i gonna do she, she's panicking she doesn't know what she's gonna do and that's when we we event we get to chapter three i don't know if we hit the title here but it, it, it's coming up here um she ends up no because it's at post kidnapping so she's wandering the woods after this like existentially lost because her family is now officially all gone and uh she ends up uh or a truck ends up coming across her on the on the, on the road and it's driven by this very nice uh mother and uh very very young baby it, yes riding in the front seat of this truck yeah <laughs> and uh baby riding shotgun that's the most disturbing <laughs> thing in this movie <laughs> Baby really on board, says the bumper sticker. Uh, and they pick up uh, Francisca because she's a nice woman and they take her back to her house. And as they, they, you know, there is some small talk along the way. Is there anything of note here, really? No, she's just very taken by the baby and. Uh, mm-hmm. Very. You know, uh, <laughs> it's it's disturbing. It's, like it's it's every mother's fucking nightmare is what's about to happen. Yeah, I'm sorry. All the moms in this movie are uh, – look, all the moms in this movie need to take, like, a lesson in, you know, Stranger Danger 101 because yeah. can I use your restroom? No, you can't use my restroom. Can I hold your baby? No, you can't hold my baby. Are you can I, Are you crazy? Can I put my fingers in your mouth? No, you can't. I, I, well, I, I guess. All right. I mean – All right. <laughs> so um, – yeah, what ends up happening is um, Francisca asks if she can hold the baby. As they're parked outside her house, she's getting dropped off. And she's like, the mom hesitant. And she goes, well, 
All right. And hands over the baby. And we know, and she, we already know that this is not going to go well. Like it, it's, it's another one of those slow, like, uh, like we're just sitting with the tension before it happens. If you're like, if you're plugged into this movie though, if you're liking this movie so far and it's, it's very polarizing. So I understand that. But if you're liking this movie, it feels like this is, this chapter is like, very logical to go for her character. Someone incredibly scared of of being alone. Someone who doesn't know in the middle of a crisis. Yeah, this. And is the then also, chapter. this is a movie about. It's called The Eyes of My Mother. So once again, we're we're finding a new mother, and we're we're kind of uh, creating that sort of dynamic here. Um, so what ends up happening? She takes the baby, runs. Hi, Quincy. <laughs> <laughs> runs inside to her house and the mom understandably freaks she runs inside and this is all plays out there's no music or anything it's just her she runs inside no but this is this this scene yeah she she takes the baby and like runs inside and that kind of goes back to kind of katie's question of like where's is there malicious intent behind this because like she very clearly knows that she's stealing this baby from this right woman. like you know so she knows this is a bad thing that she's doing it's her happiness that supersedes, I guess, any other uh, feeling. Uh, yeah, Again, it's I, selfish. I don't. I don't think there's feeling there. I think there's familiarity. I think there's comfort. The idea of having any kind of mother aspect in her life, whether it's her mother, her being a mother to Charlie, or her being a mother to this baby, is familiar in what she's pursuing. I don't think there's any malicious intent because I don't think there's any emotional no. intent one way or the other to the mom that she's stealing the baby from no. uh, if anything the only emotional intent is air quotes love to the baby i where well, i definitely am on the same page i don't like and that's the reason i connect with her character like i said the tiniest bit is because i don't sense any maliciousness in her even when she does what she's about to do when the mother and I can't believe I'm saying this, but when the mother runs up and then she puts the knife in her back and she falls to the ground in this long take here, just outside the bedroom, the baby's placed on the bed. It's it's wailing, and and Francisca picks the baby up and the and Lily, the mom, has to see this with a knife in her back on the floor that someone is now going to basically take care of her baby and she's probably gonna die. Yeah. Um. Is uh. I forgot where it's going. Either way, it's just really messed up. Yeah, it's um, disturbing. And I'll I'll be honest with you, like this is another one that separates it from the story. To me, it's also disturbing to have to shoot this scene and like for this baby to see this lady crawling on the ground. Like a baby doesn't know that a knife is in her back, but a baby might know. Like this does not feel right. Well, this moment that I'm kind of seeing. Yeah, I don't. Here's I I don't know how they shot it because the baby's on the bed. It's not. It, it could be without uh, not not in sight of the mom on the floor, perhaps, but also they might have looped the whole thing. So maybe it was a pleasant experience for the baby or just another <laughs> day for the baby. I don't know. But I, I would I hope that they treated that baby OK and gave it lots of love after. But I hope that a, baby makes lots of residuals off of the <laughs> eyes of my mother's. Um, but yeah, like it's it's probably the most disturbing scene of the movie for me. Um, so she takes the baby, and now she's going to do the same thing with Charlie, not our guest, uh, the character, but uh, that she did uh, earlier. She's going to chain Lily up. I do Lily miss up. mother's loving embrace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
going to chain up Lily in the barn and and like and this happens you're going to see this in in uh, other movies like this when history repeats itself there's a variation usually the next character is smarter than the last one and Charlie he didn't escape but you can maybe hope that Lily will and she does and uh I half expected she would did you guys think that this would have a happy ending this movie in any way I oh. yeah I, at this point I thought okay Lily's going to somehow maybe kill uh this lady and that will make this movie enjoyable like that uh <laughs> francisca will be dead by the end of this and i mean i guess she kind of is but you know that's a up to interpretation and b not uh the way that i wanted it to happen i still don't totally understand how lily escaped um i don't either i i think I, it was I, I didn't know if the kid let her out or I I don't really know how she got out. The chains it, kind of just weren't after a minute. It seems yeah. it, it seems to imply that the the boy let her loose because like well let's I mean when we get to it yeah like the boy knows that there's somebody in there yeah and and, and I mean I guess I don't want to get too far ahead but you know sure um so she has that baby now his name is Antonio um and she. And- Funny enough, sorry, I want to point out, she did not rename the baby. That's right. She kept Doing... the baby's name that the mo- its mother gave her. That's why I think like she's she almost like is becoming Lily, but not literally and not even just like in a, in the slightest way. And so she has that baby, and Lily's in the, in the barn, and there are some long takes of her with the sewn up eyes, trying to like just panicking, trying to scream, but can't because her vocal, that's the most, like one of the most horrific aspects is that you hear her like rasp, like the rasp that's, in her throat. That's like the worst part of like dream, like those kinds of like horror, like scary dreams that you have, like is when you're like try to scream in the dream and you, nothing, oh, God. Like, you know that nothing is coming <laughs> out. Oh, that is so, uh, I will give the movie credit that that is a very disturbing thing that like works separate from everything else from this movie. The idea of somebody trying to scream and they're just they can't. And like to me, if you want to if you want to make your movie feel bigger, uh, do these do big time jumps like it just makes it feel like from just like a tiny little indie movie to just something a little bit bigger to me is when you jump 18 years, even though this movie only costs X amount to me, I really is cool. Like boogie nights. It does it. It's, I love the time jumps. Mm -hmm. So we're in chapter three now it's called family and nine years has jumped. I believe eight years, something like, I believe little Antonio is that age. And, um, he for all these years he is he's known something's been going on in the barn francisca's been going out there and tending to lily who's been there just like charlie like for a long ass time but one day one fateful day the boy wanders into the barn and sees his biological mother he doesn't know this but she's chained up in there and he he is aware of her existence and he makes it clear and that he he's aware of his too i yeah. think I think that is one thing that – and this kind of comes back to – assuming he did let her go, this kind of comes back to my point of uh, just human like moral nature is that this kid who has no idea who this woman is has no idea that what's happening is necessarily wrong because he hasn't been mm-hmm. raised in any way to, sh- to make him think it is, but makes the conscious decision to let this woman go not knowing who she is. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's um, well. You mentioned nature versus nurture. Antonio is is not in any way uh, obviously related to Francisca's, you know, gene pool. So he is by all by all counts, he's fairly well adjusted enough to see something's going on, question what's going on to Francisca, even though she's like, don't worry about it, and presumably what we maybe we can gather is freeing his his mother from the barn intuitively knowing uh morally that something is wrong yeah well here's the thing yeah the important detail that we can't gloss over is the fact that this kid is traumatized by that first viewing of that lady he doesn't know if it that's his mom but like it's pretty immediately after he sees that woman that he's like shaking and like telling himself it was just a bad dream it was just a bad dream which is also like to me the second most disturbing thing of this movie is when you like to see that i hate seeing a kid go through that kind of panic (laughs) in a movie and yeah he freaks out and and his mom says don't worry about it and and you shouldn't you should never go in there what did i say so um one day and here's what i thought happened like it's it's right there one day it rains and I thought she had – Lily had enough slack in her chains to actually get outside of the barn just a little bit. I don't know why. Just like a few feet because that's what happens. She she gets out there. She takes a few steps out very slowly because she's blind. And uh, I thought the rain might have allowed her to slip through the uh, the shackles, like the lubrication or the mud. I thought oh, maybe she like would – yeah, somehow slip out. But no, she's walking and she still has the shackles on. It's just the chains are broken. So I guess it was the sun. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of things in this movie that I'll accept in terms of, OK, I guess we're not going to find out what the dad did to the to Charlie. I guess we're not going to find out, you know, the, his, the history of this person. I guess we're not going to find out how the dad died or whatever. I'm fine accepting those things, not, you know, not knowing what's going on. I have a problem not knowing how she got out of there. Because that just leads me to believe that Charlie could have gotten out of there the whole time, too. Um, yeah. I That I have a problem with. That is one thing in this movie that I do I will not give the benefit of the doubt to in terms of, <laughs> you know, not explaining itself. It's understandable. I um, What happens next is, uh, well, Lily gets away and Francisca... She in the morning looks out her her door and she sees that that uh, that barn is open and she's panicking. She runs inside and she she screams and we we don't really hear Francisca scream at all in this movie, but she's she is now terrified uh, of perhaps getting found out. But more importantly, I think she's gonna be alone again. Uh oh. But no, she has got that kid. I don't know. But you know that's the other thing I was gonna ask and bring up is the fact that like why does she even keep lily around at this point because she has the kid and like she almost seems resentful with the way that she just kind of drops buckets and like shoves them into the barn she doesn't go in there to nurture lily in any way so it's like what's the point Mm. of the you're almost like punishing her for no reason she's interesting yeah it's like like, uh yeah like antonio scratches that itch that that she's always had but I guess she's got another rich and that's just like, yeah, it's nice to, to really build the family. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> Lily's another member. Yeah. And, it's it's a value a, member. and look, exactly. you never turn your back it's part on of the family. Mm-hmm. It's part of the family. And, uh, so she sees it. She panics. She goes and, uh, she goes and, uh, digs up her mother's corpse, her skeleton. And she has a conversation with her. She's cradling the bones, the skull. And she says, you know, I really didn't want to let you down, Mom. Um, 
you know, this I love a, you. And, uh, this is another thing I have a real problem with is is her digging up the skeleton and like cradling it. Not because it's disturbing, but it's like the entire time you've been like talking to this like your mom as if she's in the afterlife. You know, you're talking to her spirit in a yeah, way. Yeah. So like, why do you suddenly need to dig up her body and like physically it's make just... contact with her that you have not needed that the rest of this movie? She, I was going to make the argument that she needs the physical contact, but at some point earlier in the movie, she legitimately says, I know you're here with me, Mom. I can feel mm. you. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, huh. that one little piece of dialogue, as nitpicky as this is, that one little piece of dialogue ruins that theory in my head. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, Words it, it's things. sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> it is sloppy. Uh, and, and I guess all I can answer to that is like we're in the we're we're racing to the finish line, so we need some striking imagery and a striking scene before we inevitably wrap this thing up. So here it is with her cradling up some bones, and crying, and then so she's walking back to her house, and it's the middle of the night, and we see Hallelujah, a bunch of cop cars driving down the road to her property or a bunch and of cars i mean i guess i don't really remember seeing I like see the sirens oh you do see the, the, the lights yeah there's okay. some lights i was mm-hmm. like maybe these are just town folk who go in there like <laughs> we gotta take care of this <laughs> they got torches yeah it's like frankenstein <laughs> shit um no they, they end up going to the property and she runs she beats them to it she runs inside and wakes up and antonio and uh he's confused and obviously oh. she takes him mm-hmm. for the just for the record, the scene that we flash forwarded to at the very beginning of the movie yep. happened. Like, it oh yes, saw yes. it happen now. Yeah, from the from the opposite Lily. angle. Yes, Lily uh, gets found by the semi driver, and you, that's how the cops end up uh, going to the property. Yeah, word gets out, and she's out there. There's a woman in the news who has sewn eyes and no vocal cords. Well, wait, also, so that's my question: is how do they know where to go? I mean, I guess she's yeah, got the only. Yeah. She's maybe Forensics. she's got the only farm on the in in <laughs> house in the area, but there's no way Lily could get across to them anywhere yeah. about where to go. Is that what that's one of those benefit of the doubt ones for you, Charlie, or you let it slip? You know, I let it slip until just now because the police full on barged into that house. They yep. did not knock on the door. They did not say, you know, ma'am, we've, you know, we're coming to check on you. They barged into the house, guns pulled, ready to go. There is no way they could have any information on what happened at all. <laughs> and as far as they know, they could be barging into this house and there's like, you know, it's an orphanage with a bunch of kids learning their their ABCs because they they're at the wrong house. But they've got guns out ready to shoot whoever's in there. Right. So they could know be too real, much. Realistic. They know too much for the resources that they had to work with. Mm-hmm. So some of the, so they they are in many ways like real cops. Uh, they got the wrong. They might have the wrong place. They might get the wrong the wrong innocent person. But thankfully, in this narrative, they got the right person here. And they end up uh, back the blue hashtag back the blue. They end up uh, going to uh, the house and she beats them to it. She goes upstairs and she takes Antonio to the corner and she gets a knife. What's that going to do? Right. But she's panicking. She's really panicking, hyperventilating. And Antonio's like, is everything going to be all right? She's like, yeah, everything's fine. And then the cops like they're they barge in. They do not (laughs) they do not politely knock and they run in and then it's the police. And you hear it's like a Reservoir Dogs type ending with Mr. White. She says, you're not going to take my baby. 
like cut to a wide and you hear gunshots and you can assume she got lit up by these police officers. And uh, that's it. That's the you end hear, I think you only this... hear one gunshot. Right. Just yeah. one. Okay. She got lit up with one bullet. <laughs> one good bullet. Dan, there is, there is mm-hmm. one of those moments of empathy here from me in that she grabs Antonio and I was a little I was a little surprised because she grabs this knife and in my mind she was gonna kill him and herself, like or kill him and then let them kill her. I I thought of I, that, yeah. I fully expected this kid to die. But I guess that comes in with the idea of she's his mother and she's not gonna let anything bad happen to him. But she does say to him, They're gonna tell you lots of things, just you know, uh either she says something like she, I don't think she says they're lying, but you know, don't let them don't let them think that uh, change your mind about me. Don't let them think I don't love you or or something like that. And that's one of the reasons why I hate this movie is because they leave it open for a sequel at the end. That kid can <laughs> go on to have his own fucked up experience. The eyes of my mother, too. I don't want to see it. Whatever it's... happened to Francisca's baby? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's easy for us to, to make access point, maybe Jared, the re- the the sheer reason it's made is a challenge for the filmmaker to create empathetic access points for a character who does such fucked up crazy things. Because uh, inevitably, for me anyway, there is just the tiniest bit, and uh, it's just an interesting narrative about a very deeply troubled person who does some really bad things. Uh, yeah, I'm just I I. I a movie should be entertaining and I don't see how this is entertaining in any way. Like I don't, I don't get the entertainment value of it. You know, like it's, it's, I mean, everything you're saying, I I agree with. Yes. Like that's probably an interesting challenge to be like, yeah, I want to see if I can make the most fucked up movie, but make you kind of go, Oh, but you know, get where she's coming from. Yeah, exactly. And I, I totally understand that, but, can you write a story or something like it doesn't have to be a movie oh, oh i thought it was so, like all right well then you can't <laughs> tell me you like any david lynch movies if you like if you don't like movies that don't have stories well but... here's well i'm i'm I, I i'm only familiar with Eraserhead, and Eraserhead uh gave us an interesting conversation and now on franchise first timers by the way we are discussing the twin peaks franchise That's which right. which does have structure to it i've i've only watched the first season as of this recording so there's there's story there but i can't yeah. speak to anything else david lynch i i i don't know any of his other I'm stuff not a david lynch fan i fully That's like 100% uh, don't blue velvet no uh, hate it no, um, I don't. Uh, I thought it was pretty linear. Like I like his pretty linear stuff. Mulholland Drive is is kind of a mess. Uh, no, no, hate it. Um, yeah. Jer- Jeremy, let me ask you a question though. You have kids, right? Yes, I have two. So my, I'm curious whether or not this movie might have played significantly different to you or differently to you because you have kids too. Because I always so for think instance, about the, that. Yeah. The kid, the kid sitting in the, the baby being in the front seat. Yeah, it's weird, but it's definitely not the first thing that stuck out to me because I yeah, don't me too. deal with that. <laughs> right. So right. It's, it's not the kind of thing that ruins a movie for me. Like I, I sometimes it does. I usually I'm pretty good about having the same opinion about a movie that I would have had before having kids. But there are things that come to me uh, in a different light now, like that, for example, where I'm just like. You know, it's maybe uh, five years ago, I would have been like, that's kind of interesting and funny just to see the kid in the front seat. And now I'm like, no, that's a horrible. I don't like seeing that at all. You know, so there's (laughs) there is a slight 
extra layer to it. But no, my my gripes with this movie are the fact that I don't find anything entertaining about it. I don't get the joy in this movie. There's no it's to me. It's a short movie, but it's still 76 minutes that I wasted. I mean, other than the fact that it led to this conversation, which is a good episode, by the way, this has been a great conversation. But if it weren't for this podcast and I watched this movie that I would have felt like would have been a complete waste of my time. So I guess this just comes down to the the idea of not everyone watches movies for the sake of joyfulness. Like I don't I, I there are a lot of I movies watch movies I to be challenged a lot of times. Yeah, I, 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 I watch movies for the drama. I watch movie. I mean, like the invitation is one of my favorite movies. It is definitely not a joyful movie. I've probably seen I it 25 times. The invitation, actually. But it's it's great drama. I love great drama that's my thing is i love watching something really serious and really and sometimes really dark happen and i'm very just artistically and creatively fulfilled by seeing that i am the exact opposite where i'm just like and it's like you know like (laughs) what what can i say honestly like i hate this movie i i flat out hate it because of what i hate it because of what this movie is and what it makes me go through it's not something that i would seek out ever but at the same time it's like i know that a lot of the shitty popcorn blockbuster movies that i like are not very good so it's just like there's a place for everybody i understand that but Mm -hmm. i i i truly it's like i it's like a, a completely different culture to me the idea that somebody would want to watch this movie i'm just like i i don't get it it'd be like if you were like oh like you don't know what life is like on on the moon I'd be like, no, like, tell me all about it. But I don't understand it. What do you mean life on the moon? Like, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an edgier crowd. Certainly it's just, I, I, the only thing I could say is people pe- like to be challenged. I like I find this challenging and interesting and fascinating. Dan, I'm curious. Off the top of your head, is there a movie you can think of that you absolutely hate? Like, what movie Ooh. do you hate? Oh, there's yeah. Let me look at my letterbox real quick here. You can you guys vamp vamp for a minute or two? Yeah, here we can start playing See, the, with some of the emoticons. We have if the, with those yeah, you time. can play with those. The fact that there's uh, you have to reference something uh, tells me that maybe uh, there's more than one movie that you absolutely hate. I, I can honestly yeah. say, in the entire time we've been doing this podcast, this is the least amount of fun I've ever had watching the movie itself. And again, that's including. Clifford, which was a huge slog, that was including uh, I love Clifford. Gretel and Hansel, which I also hated, you know, like See, I had I was much more intrigued by this than I was by Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Stop or My Mom Will Shoot felt like an absolute utter complete waste of my time because that movie is essentially brain dead. There is not one joke in that movie that really works past a light huh or but you know what plot point. you still got that huh and i didn't get that from this movie i wish I, if i would have had a huh then i would have been like but uh, i had i didn't get a okay. huh but i did get a couple oh shit and yeah, those yeah. are worth yeah. 10 times That's more true. than a huh uh, I, yeah you know it's it's like Agreed. it's like i don't understand why people like uh the tower of terror either it's just like you know it's, a, it's an experience <laughs> that it's an experience that I just it's not for me. I'll take any roller coaster with a with a huge drop, but I don't need to just be in one position and drop and then raise and drop. It's 
Not for me. The 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 lowest score I have on my letterbox, and I've reviewed a lot of movies. I don't know, like uh, 150 maybe. Um, like actual reviews. Um, Twilight Saga: New Moon has half a star. I uh, watched that, and I I think it's safe to say I hated that movie. For what reason, though? Uh, according to my review, this was a waste of time. It felt like a stepping stone to the next part of Edward and Bella's story, like they're spinning the wheels the whole time. I hated this one and tried to like it. I really did. I love Taylor Lautner's long wig, LOL. <laughs> so, like, it's it's, it's an in-between movie that where nothing happens. That's what is why I think I hated it. That and the dialogue's really stilted and terrible, and it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I could have, we'll have to watch it and break it down. <laughs> I have five movies on my letterbox that have half a star. Okay. And then the first movie that has one star is Blue Velvet. Um <laughs> but out of the five movies that have half a star, one of them is Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. But yeah. out of the five movies that have, have half a star, I think the one that I'd have to say I absolutely one hundred percent just hate this movie is the remake of the thing. And it's not even a remake. Um, and it's, I'm not even going to get into it, but next to that is I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. (laughs) And the reason that that movie has such a, a place of infamy on my, I hate list is because before I was, before I was even too aware that I was gay, I saw that movie in theaters on a date with a girl and came out of that movie so pissed off and so disturbed and so annoyed and frustrated in every bad feeling you could have and i didn't really even know why or i didn't realize why and it wasn't until years later that i was like oh that's the most offensive movie i've ever seen in my life yeah i haven't seen it every second of that movie i imagine it's pretty bad (laughs) batman robin inferno the the third uh robert langdon dan brown book movie Thing Chuck and Larry and Jaws four. Bench, yeah. Um, looks like more was that Mortal Kombat there on the bottom right? The 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 new new Mortal Kombat got a one star from me. Fuck that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Mortal the prequel to Mortal Kombat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) There was there was no Mortal Kombat in the movie. Yeah, I'll get to it. We're gonna (laughs) get another movie. It's fine. (laughs) <laughs> but Batman and Robin, really, Charlie? Like, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's not fun in, in any way for you. No, hate it. Oh, I hate it. That you and I are never going to agree on, but no, that's okay. I, I would watch Batman Forever a thousand times before I watch Batman to, and Robin. To me, choice. they're they're like part and parcel, and I, I, I know that there's definitely an argument in there, but I just love, I love the Schumachers as one and the same, almost. George are, Clooney got really, really upset when people asked him why he decided to play Bruce Wayne as gay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I'm not a Schumacher fan uh, in the least bit. I think Schumacher is probably the uh, next to someone. This this YouTuber I follow, she said, um, uh, Christopher Columbus is uh, competent but boring. Joel Schumacher is is neither of or is uh <laughs> both competent and or incompetent and boring ouch <laughs> ouch sorry joel schumacher rest in uh, peace i guess um but that is uh the eyes of my mother 
from 2016 by Nicholas Pesce, Pesh, Pesh, Pishi. Joe, Joe Pesci's son. Joe, yeah. But spelled differently. But spelled differently because he didn't want the, you know. The association. Uh, nepotism. nepotism. You know, yeah. it's, it's, like how, it's like how Joe Hill refuses to be to go by the name of Joe King, despite it right. probably doing wonderful things for his career. Not you know, it would help it. you a lot. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, I will not. <laughs> or Max Brooks. I'm going. Eight. Never mind. Yeah, no. I'm just kidding because he 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 has stood on his own and that's been proven over the years. I was just making a, a bad joke. All right, then how about uh, uh, Max Landis? Oof. Well, Ooh, well I mean, the, we're finding out that the we're finding out that the whole Landis family can suck a dick. Well, I think I, I'll take that back. The mom is probably the the costume designer seems like a very nice woman, but the Landis uh, patriarch and Max fuck them. Yeah. yeah, but Chronicles a really good movie. <laughs> oh. Well, on that note, uh, that is going to be it for us this week. Thank you for joining us, Charlie. Anything you need to plug? You don't have anything, do you? Um, I don't know how many of your viewers are in Chicago. I I, I don't know. We don't. Have, I don't pay enough attention to our demographics. Okay. What you know you what? No, I, I, no? I, I, I have nothing at the moment needing plugging if if i'm on another episode within the next month i'll plug something but uh all right i'm also well, that, not gonna plug a music festival a street music festival right now so what wait what's the music festival now i have to know well, andersonville i've been on the committee planning andersonville's first music festival back since quarantine and it's going to be fantastic if it happens but we're also staying realistic if it happens it's going to be great you should come it's called andersonville homecoming september 24 25 26 such a fun area guys if you can make it out if you're in the area at all yeah check it out yes all right it's gonna be great and that is it for us this week i'm jeremy eden i'm dan eden i am still charlie wine that's a wrap Time comes day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? <laughs> <laughs>